Jake here. Thank you for taking a trip to the past with me. The original podcast version of The Americans will be released weekly, but if you don't want to wait, then go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. You'll receive access to all of The Americans as well as early release novels, audiobooks, and other exclusive extras. That's jakebible.substack.com. Now enjoy the original podcast production of The Americans. Cheers. Warning. This podcast reading is for mature audiences only. You will not be warned again. Welcome to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans, book two in the Dead Mech Apex Trilogy. The Americans is a sidequel to Dead Mech, meaning it takes place simultaneously with book one. You can listen to this novel first or start with Dead Mech. Go to jakebible.com for more information on this podcast, Dead Mech, and other fiction by Jake Bible. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Americans. This is going to be a really, really quick intro, uh, mainly just so I can say thank you to everyone who joined me on the Dead Mac Kindle Rush. The highest we made it was number 46 in horror for all books, which is pretty sweet, and number 44 in horror for all ebooks. That's pretty hot, my friends. That's pretty hot. So thank you to everyone who supported me. Thank you to everybody who came out and bought um, a copy. You guys rock. You are awesome, more awesome than awesome. And um, since I'm so grateful, I'm not going to ramble on. Um, this will be a nice long episode, so it'll make up for last week's short episode. I also have a bit of a cold, so I really just don't want to snot all over my microphone. And um, there's no promos at the end of this one, uh, just because it's been one of those weekends and I have not had a chance to chase down everybody's promos and get them on here. So I just wanted to make sure I got this episode out as soon as possible. All right, once again, thanks everybody. You all rock. You are the best. Enjoy the episode. Cheers. Chapter 5 Isn't it going to be getting dark soon? Beth asked as they passed the derelict flats and run-down buildings of Sin Circle. She watched three scabheads fighting over what looked like an arm, but she knew that it couldn't be right. I've always been told never to be here after dark. That's when people go missing. Everyone in this fucking hellhole has gone missing, Heather said from the back seat. Sin Circle is where people go to get lost, to disappear, and walk away from the lives they had before. Fucking whatever, Melissa growled. You got something to add, niece of mine? Heather asked. Just that leaving those that love you and depend on you isn't disappearing, Melissa almost snarled. It's fucking cowardice, and every single last one of these scab heads, whores, and pimps should be wiped off the face of the fucking planet. Hmm, Heather responded but let it drop. Beth looked at Melissa, then back at Heather, who just shrugged and rolled her eyes. Really, Beth began, I don't think we should be here. Melissa glared at Beth. What? Are you going to cry? I can't even call you freak anymore without feeling sorry for you. Then don't call me freak, Beth said quietly. See? Melissa nearly shouted. You're breaking my fucking heart here. Get some motherfucking backbone, girl. 
Grow a pair below, for fuck's sake. Let her be, Mel, Heather said, leaning forward and pointing towards a pub on the right before Melissa could respond. Pull over. Pretty sure he's in there. Can I stay in the skiff? Melissa asked obstinately. No, you can't stay in the fucking skiff, Heather snapped. Now who's being a pussy? Melissa grimaced, pulled the skiff over, and whipped her door open. Let's get this over with then. Is there something I should know? Beth asked Heather as she got out. Beth watched Heather take a quick scan of the street. A couple of scab heads trying to turn tricks for a fix, three legitimate whores trying to run the scab heads off their corner, and a lone grower standing by a small alley, his arms and head twitching, probably from a fresh batch of scabs coming in. You'll find out soon enough, Heather responded to Beth as she hurried the girl inside the pub. If the pub looked bad from the outside, it looked a million times worse on the inside. Would it be too much for the asshole to blow rich guys uptown? Melissa said as she walked to the bar and took a seat. Hey, the bartender shouted. No minors. Fuck you, scuzz, Melissa shouted back. Heads turned from darkened corners and Heather clamped her hand down on Melissa's shoulder. Cool it, little girl, or I'll slap the smug right out of you. She turned to the bartender and gave, gave him a flirtatious smile. Sorry, I'm her aunt. We're just looking for someone. You her aunt, too? The bartender sneered at Beth. Yep, Heather answered, sliding a credit chit across the bar. And neither of them were ever here. The bartender snatched up the chit and slapped it on the scanner. When it beeped, he smiled brightly, revealing a less than perfect set of teeth. Nope, never seen them. Heather said another chit on the bar. You know if Billy Brenton is here tonight? The bright smile fell off the bartender's face immediately. That cock-sucking scab head is here every night. Heather raised her eyebrows and the bartender nodded towards the men's room. She slid the second chit to the man and he snatched it up right away, not even bothering to scan its amount. I don't want no trouble. You need to rough him up or worse, do it outside. Don't worry, Heather grinned. We're family. She looked at Melissa and Beth. You two stay here. Hey, the bartender grunted. I ain't no babysitter. Melissa's hand whipped out lightning fast and grabbed the man by the ear, yanking his head down to the bar. Do I look like I need a fucking babysitter? Heather slapped her upside the head, making her let go. Be nice, Heather hissed. I'll watch her, Beth said, making both Melissa and Heather chuckle. How about a pint for each, eh? Heather said. That should keep him out of your hair. The bartender rubbed at his ear and poured two pints of bitter, slamming them down in front of the girls, nearly splashing ale all over Melissa. Just try to get along, Heather sighed. The stench hit her hard and Heather actually gasped from the lack of clean air. You in here, Billy? Heather announced as she walked into the men's room. A slight scuffle and shift from the far stall told her where to go, and no sooner had she started walking towards it than a man came bursting out, zipping his fly. Hey, he stammered, I, I don't want any trouble. Heather nodded towards the door. Then get the fuck out. The man smiled slightly and bolted. Heather waited for the other occupant of the stall to come out. I know you're in there, Billy. Get your scabby ass out here. Um, hey, Heather, Billy Brenton said, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand as he left the stall. Wasn't expecting you. Shut the fuck up, Heather snarled. I don't need your bullshit. We've got a serious situation going on, which I'm sure you aren't aware of. 
Rogue Americans and mystery ghosts? Billy asked, stepping to the sink and turning the tap on. Liquid, barely recognizable as water, flowed in spurts and sprays while Billy washed his hands, then took a swig directly from the faucet, swishing, then spitting it back in the basin. I'm not that far gone. Mystery ghosts? Heather asked. Billy leaned back against the sink and activated a vapor stick, taking a long drag. Or should I say mystery ghost? He laughed. Not so much a mystery, since I'm looking at her right now. Heather glared. Okay, I, I know a guy that knows a guy at the Suffolk base. Your name came up and he came to see me. Came to see you? I'm sure he did. Melissa and Beth watched the man hurry from the men's room and then out the front door. Melissa just shook her head and took another sip of her ale. The grower Beth had seen outside stepped through the closing door and looked around. The bartender gave him a weak smile then pretended to busy himself at the far end of the bar as the grower sat down next to Beth. You girls looking for some fun? The grower asked, glancing nervously around the pub. Beth looked up and nearly choked on her bitter. The man sitting next to her was covered from head to toe in rotting rags. What skin was exposed was marked by long, angry-looking scabs. We're fine, thank you, Melissa grunted from the other side of Beth. Sure you are, sweetie, sure you are. The man smiled, revealing a green-black, toothless mouth. You'll be more fine once you've fixed. What you looking for? The man extended his right arm and pushed up the sleeve, revealing long lines of fresh red scabs. I gots the classic, the big H, on this arm. He did the same with his left arm, shoving it under Beth's nose. But you probably like the sense low. Your generation is all about the party fun. It's all true grown right on my body. None of that cheap, accelerated crap others get grafted on. Buddy, you'd better fuck off, Melissa snarled. Come on, sweetie. We're all friends in sin circle, the man said, his smile faltering. He leaned his head to the right, exposing the patchwork of scabs on his neck. Of course, if you really want to roll, maybe a taste of slam will do you right. He peeled a pink-orange scab from his neck and extended it to Melissa. Maybe you two fine girls come back to my place and try it out. I can show you how to really rock the scabs. The grower grinned and tossed the peeled bit of dried flesh into his mouth, his whole body shuddering. Beth started to gag, the back of her hand going to her mouth. Melissa stood up and slammed her pint glass into the back of the grower's head. I said fuck off, she cried. Hey, the bartender shouted, that's enough of that. He pulled a pint and slid it to the grower. Go fucking sit in the corner, Shift. Leave these girls alone. Shift the grower snatched up the pint and scurried off to the darkest corner in the pub. Melissa sat down. Give me another. The bartender glared at her and Melissa slammed a chit on the bar. Give us each another and more when we ask. And do me a favor. Point that ugly-ass face of yours somewhere else. The bartender thought for a moment, but greed won out and he snatched up the chit, pulling two more pints. I spotted him, Shift whispered into his calm from the corner of the pub. Usual payment, same account. Don't short me this time. Of course not, Mr. Stone responded over the calm. You'll have the chits in a second. Which one do you have? They're both here, Shift said, looking over at Melissa and Beth. Both the girls you're looking for, and... And what, Shift? 
Mr. Stone growled over the comm. Don't play with me or you'll be singing soprano in your church choir. I don't go to church, Shift answered. Just tell me what you know or I cut your fucking balls off. Right, no need to get angry, Mr. Stone. I just want to make sure I'm compensated for the extra information. Shift waited for a moment. Yes, Mr. Stone finally answered. You'll be compensated. Good, good, Shift grinned. I think I got that ghost that's been all over the hollows. Is she there in front of you? Mr. Stone asked. Send me a hollow. No, Francis the bartender slipped me a note with my pint saying she's in the crapper rousting one of the cock gobblers that work the place, Shift answered. Which cock gobbler? Mr. Stone asked pointedly. Billy Brenton, local scab head. He's in here all the time trying to get chits for a fix. Shift, I need you to listen closely, Mr. Stone said, his voice low and slow. I need you to make sure you keep those girls, that ghost, and the cock-gobbling scab head there. They cannot leave before I get there. Do you understand, Shift? Shift thought for a moment. He glanced at Melissa and realized she turned on her stool and had been watching him. For how long, he couldn't be certain. Um, that may cost you extra. Don't worry about payment, Shift, Mr. Stone said, a deadly smile in his voice. You'll be paid what you're worth. She's out there right now, Billy asked, his smug smile slipping. You brought her here? Where else are we going to go, Billy? Heather snapped. My cover is blown and she was attacked at school. I can't take her to the base without all kinds of repercussions. Plus, I have this fucking girl that the LOMSD wants dead and I have no idea why. Trust me, I'd like to be somewhere else, but I need your skills to get us all out of the city until I can figure out what is going on. Billy chewed on his lower lip until it began to bleed. Jesus, Billy, Heather said, stepping forward and wiping the blood away with her sleeve. Don't you feel that? The whole point is not to feel, Heather, Billy laughed, but it sounded flat and fake to both their ears. Who do we have in Sin Circle? Mr. Stone asked Reginald. There's always an HAV with at least two shock troops and six to twelve regulars on standby, Agent Turner answered from behind the wheel of the mag skiff. They'd be ready in less than a minute if called. I didn't ask you, Mr. Stone grunted. Reginald? There's always an HAV with at least two shock troops and six to twelve regulars on standby, Reginald parroted from the back seat. They'd be ready in less than a minute if called. Mr. Stone smiled. Thank you, Reginald. Of course, Mr. Stone. American unit or special branch? Mr. Stone asked. LOMSD, Mr. Stone, Agent Turner answered cautiously. Sin Circle is a hotspot for the trafficking of sensitive information and we must be ready to act when needed. Mr. Stone turned in the passenger seat and appraised Turner. You ever work, Sin Circle? It was my second assignment once I became an agent. Turner answered proudly, stopped three sex slave trafficking rings and plugged a major information leak. Well, Reginald, I think Agent Turner has more to offer than first thought, Mr. Stone said. Maybe he should take point. That sounds like a very good idea, Mr. Stone, Reginald grinned. Point? But we're to go to the American base, Agent Turner exclaimed. That was a direct order. We're taking a bit of a detour. It's really part of the same mission. Mr. Stone grinned. You don't have a problem with that, do you, Turner? Reginald leaned in close to Agent Turner's ear. 
right, Agent Turner? You don't have a problem with that, he said menacingly. No, no problem, Agent Turner said, swallowing hard against the lump in his throat. Brian Lisbon hated being a ghost. He knew it was just cowardice on his part, but since the moment he had been activated, he'd lived in a state of anxiety. It was that anxiety that had kept him from getting an assignment. The American brass wouldn't even contact him anymore. Every communique he put out there was ignored. His existence was relegated to a constant feeling of inadequacy. So, Brian found himself alone in Haley Park in the middle of the night. He liked the park. It was close to the river, it had some nice walking paths, and near a cafe he liked to sit at and people watch. But Brian couldn't remember ever seeing any people in the park, and the harder he concentrated, the more confused he became. He tried to mentally backtrack how he got to the park, how he ever got to the park, and he couldn't even picture the route. All he knew was the grass and the river and the way the lamps reflected off the water. Brian truly questioned his sanity. He never noticed the footfalls behind him, and when he felt the prick and heard the hiss of the injector, he found himself conflicted. Conflicted over the danger he knew he was in and the relief he felt as the last bit of consciousness slipped away, knowing that if he wasn't killed, he was at least going to be able to rest. Time to go, Heather said, tapping Melissa and Beth on the shoulders as she passed. Melissa stood up then froze as Billy came out of the men's room. Hey, Mel. Billy said quietly. Melissa stared at him for a moment, then turned on Heather. Activate me, she snarled. Heather rolled her eyes. No, Mel, I'm not going to activate you just so you can kill Billy. Melissa picked up her pint glass and flung it towards Billy's head. The man easily dodged it, letting the glass shatter behind him on the men's room door. I'm going to fucking kill him anyway, Melissa screamed. It wasn't my fault, Mel, Billy said, moving towards her. Don't you fucking dare, you motherfucking scabhead, junkie piece of shit, Melissa yelled. Don't fucking talk to me. She stomped past Heather and Beth towards the door, but was immediately blocked by Shift. Hey now, where are you going, pretty thing? Shift said. What's the hurry? The man just wants to talk. Melissa took a couple steps back, more from the smell than from what Shift said. Leave her alone, Shift, Billy said. Let her leave if she wants. Well, Billy, as much as I'd like to accommodate one of my best customers, Shift said as Billy looked away in shame, I think the girl should stay for a bit. Maybe you should all stay for a bit. Heather looked from Shift to Billy, then to the bartender and back to Shift. She glanced around the pub and noticed that the few people that had been in earlier had already cleared out. How long do we have? Heather asked Billy. Billy shook his head. I don't know. My skills aren't the sharpest lately. How about you give it a fucking try, Heather snapped. Billy sighed and knelt to the ground, placing both palms flat on the pub floor. He closed his eyes and turned his head this way and that, then his eyes shot open. Uh, maybe a minute, we've got an HAV heading our way. Okay, girls, time to leave, Heather shouted. I can't let you do that, Shift said menacingly, a scatter gun in his hands. I can't take you all, but I will put some holes in a couple of you. Trust me, where this shot has been, if you survive the blast, you won't survive the infection. Heather slowly reached into her pocket and Shift jerked the scatter gun towards her. Calm down now, Heather soothed, just pulling out some chits. Maybe we can work a deal. Heather opened her palm to reveal a small cube of BC. Hey, 
Shift said, confused. That ain't chits. No, Heather grinned. It's not. The BC melted and morphed into the familiar shape of microfilament, shooting out from Heather's palm and wrapping itself around Shift's neck. The man jerked and convulsed as Heather tossed the other end of the microfilament up and around the ceiling fan that lazily spun above the pub. Shift kicked out, his finger pulling the trigger on the scattergun, and a deafening roar filled the pub. Beth cried out and fell to the ground, Mel instantly at her side. It's, it's not bad. We can fix it on the go, Melissa shouted. I got her, Billy said, lifting Beth in his arms. The sound of a shell being pumped into a shotgun chamber made Melissa look up to see the bartender pointing a 20-gauge at them. Get him down from there, the bartender ordered. Melissa kicked out, snagging a bar stool with her foot, then flung it into the bartender's face. He instinctively ducked, giving Melissa time to vault the bar, her right foot catching the man in the temple. An audible crunch could be heard and the bartender dropped dead on the spot. She hopped back over the bar and ran for the door with the others. Heather pushed the door open and came to a halt as she watched an HAV roll to a stop in front of the pub. Back inside! Now! Um, hello? Brian called out from under the canvas hood covering his head. Hello? Is anyone there? He struggled against the restraints that tied his wrists to the arms of the chair he was seated in, but only succeeded in straining his muscles without gaining a single bit of freedom. He relaxed for a moment and placed his fingertips firmly against the chair. Don't bother, a woman's voice said. There isn't a scrap of B.C. in this room. All wood, all the time. Water? Where am I? Brian asked. Doesn't matter, the woman responded. Do you want some water or not? What do you want with me? Brian felt a hard slap upside his head. Hey, what the hell? Just answer the question, Brian, the woman pressed. Would you like some water? Yes, please, Brian answered, his voice shaking with fear. Excellent the woman said just before a violent blast of water hit Brian in the face. Brian tried to scream, but his mouth just filled with water and he ended up gagging and struggling for breath. Five minutes seemed like an eternity as the water slammed against him, and then it was gone. Do you see anything? the woman asked. Please don't do that again, Brian pleaded. Shut up, the woman ordered. Don't whine, just tell me what you see. Brian waited in silence, snot dripping down his face, smearing onto the canvas as it rubbed against his skin. Um, I can't see anything. No? Let's try this again, the woman said. One more time, and if that doesn't work, we'll move on to something else. Brian shuddered at the thought of something else. But that thought was pushed from his mind as the water was turned on him once more. Mr. Stone's cold, hard eyes moved from shock troop to shock troop, trooper to trooper, as they stood at the back of the heavy assault vehicle, the HAV. We want them alive if possible, especially the ghost, understand? All nodded. Good. With that said, if you blow them from the face of the earth, I won't hold it against you. One of the troopers gave a short laugh, and Mr. Stone closed on him quickly. None of this is funny, trooper, Mr. Stone yelled. That ghost in there will kill you faster than you can shoot your little dick load. You got me? Yes, sir, the trooper answered. Sorry, sir. Mr. Stone nodded to Reginald, and Reginald nodded to Agent Turner, who hit the ramp release, opening the entire back end of the massive vehicle. You ready for this, Agent Turner? Reginald asked, gripping the agent's shoulder. Of course, Agent Turner said, not sounding ready in the slightest. Oh, 
and shock troops. Don't forget to not let the bitch touch you, Mr. Stone cautioned. She can control BC and will rip it from your skin before you get your first shot off. Mr. Stone hefted his AR-75 BC assault rifle. After you, Agent Turner. Still nothing, Bry? The woman's voice barked. Come on, you're going to have to do better. Brian gasped for air, his face swollen and bruised from the onslaught of water. Please, who are you? Why am I here? You're always here, stupid, the woman answered. Brian screamed as pain erupted from his left hand. What the hell? That was your pinky finger, the woman said. Thought you should know, since it's hard to tell which one you lose once they all start coming off. You got off my pinky? You fucking bitch! Brian screamed. You motherfucking bitch! Brian's head snapped back and he felt a wave of nausea. Instantly, he was in two worlds. One strapped to a chair while being tortured. The other, he was back looking through someone else's eyes. Someone being carried. Through a pub? Was that a body hanging from a fan? What was that? Contact? The woman asked, talking more to herself than to Brian. I'm impressed, Brian. I thought I'd have to take more off. Brian felt his head firmly grasped between two hands. Tell me what you see, the woman snarled. Be specific. The more details you give, the less, um, coaxing from me. How bad are your skills? Heather asked Billy. Can you make us a hole? Not in this shithole, Billy yelled, setting Beth down at the far end of the bar. There isn't enough BC to work with in this floor. Then fucking blow a hole, Heather, Melissa shouted. Push right through the floor and get us out of here. I could bring the entire building down, Heather responded, grabbing up all available BC she could find and piling it close to her. You still afraid of guns, Billy? You know me, he grinned. I'm all about the vehicles, not about the boomsticks. All go, no blow. Oh, I think you know about the blow, Melissa hissed. Billy frowned but didn't respond as he knelt by Beth and let two drops of BC fall onto her wounds. Instantly, they split into a million microscopic sutures and began to repair the damage done by the shotgun, finding the shot and pushing it out of the wound before sewing the skin together. Heather looked around in panic. If it was just her, she wouldn't have a problem. She could take the LOMSD fucks. But with Beth and Melissa to take care of and Billy as an unreliable wild card, she knew she'd get distracted and end up with her brains splattered across the bar. Or worse, the girl's brains splattered across the bar. Okay, I have a shitty idea that none of you will like, she shouted, the sound of biochrome boots outside the pub now quite audible. Everyone in the crapper. This isn't like in Naples, is it? Billy asked, not bothering to disguise the disgust on his face. Afraid so, Billy. Fuck, Billy cursed. Hold on. Billy dashed to Schiff's corpse and tore open his trouser leg, ripping the scabs off the dead man's calf and stuffing them in his pockets. I can't kick right now. That wouldn't be good for anyone. The pub door exploded inward and Melissa screamed. Go! Heather cried, looking around for as much BC as she could get. Billy scooped up Beth again and ran to the men's room. Come on! He screamed at Melissa. Melissa hesitated, looking at Heather. I can help, she shouted. Just activate me! Get in the crapper, damn it! Heather screamed, not waiting to see if Melissa followed her orders as she melted the BC she'd gathered into two rebalt miniguns, one on each forearm. 
The long, wide braces slipped up and over her shoulders, joining in the back to support the weight of the heavy-caliber weapons and take some of the load off of her already fatigued body. Heather took one look behind her to make sure everyone was clear before she opened up on the fools coming through the front door. Mr. Stone and Reginald both hit the street belly down as the front of the pub, the two shock troops, and Agent Turner were ripped apart by 7.62mm BC bullets. You lasted longer than I thought, Reginald said, shouting over the gunfire. I figured you would have slit his throat and tossed him out of the skiff first. Too much paperwork, Mr. Stone yelled back. Plus, now I can shove Turner's corpse in Gein's face. He should have listened to me. They never do, Mr. Stone. They never do. Reginald settled the butt of the rifle against his shoulder and returned fire into the pub, hoping his bullets would find their mark. Mr. Stone flipped up his scope's cap, toggled the infrared, and tried to find his target. It wasn't very hard, since the miniguns on Heather's forearms were putting out some intense heat. Thirteen degrees right of the doorframe, Mr. Stone called out as the rest of the LOMSD troopers took a knee, brought up their rifles, and began to fire. As soon as the return fire started whizzing past Heather's head, she dumped the heavy miniguns and tucked tail, running full out towards the men's room. She cranked up her BC sensitivity as high as it could go without compromising her mind's stability and began dodging, diving, and twisting her body out of the way of the bullets coming at her. To an outsider, it would have looked like she was having a running seizure, but to a ghost, it was pure artistry. But all the athleticism and training in the world didn't matter if you couldn't dodge that last bullet. Heather burst through the men's room door just as the final bullet ripped through the case, tore into her back, and burst through her chest, spraying blood across the stalls. Heather! Melissa screamed. But Billy grabbed the girl's arm and shoved her down the wide opening he had created by manipulating and widening the floor's B.C. drain pipe. He pushed Beth after Mel, then ducked low and crawled to Heather as the second round of gunfire tore through the cheap walls of the pub, showering them with bits of moldy plaster and ancient wallpaper. He hooked his arm in Heather's and dragged her body to the hole, pulling her in after him. Together, they fell into the darkness. I, I see... I see... Brian began, the pain in his hand almost too much to bear. Not much of a ghost, he thought. No wonder I don't have an assignment. I, I see a tunnel, a dark tunnel. No, wait, I, I see lights, bright li lights. No, no, that's not right. Brian jerked in the chair, his head swimming. What's going on? The woman asked. I think I'm falling, Brian exclaimed. Vertigo quickly overtook him, and what little he had in his stomach came up, splattering the inside of the canvas bag. Ah, Jesus Christ, the woman yelled. Mr. Stone held up his hand, and the troopers stopped firing instantly. He and Reginald listened intently, trying to figure out if their quarry was dead, incapacitated, waiting in ambush, or gone. Mr. Stone sighed. Too quiet, Reginald, Mr. Stone said. I believe we may have lost them. I agree, Mr. Stone, Reginald responded. I don't have that warm feeling in my tummy when I get a kill. Mr. Stone lifted his hand once more and pointed towards the pub. The remaining five troopers ran inside, and within seconds the calls of clear could be heard in the street. Mr. Stone and Reginald got to their feet, their rifles slung, and they stepped into the destroyed pub. The canvas bag was ripped from Brian's head, and immediately another harsh jet of water slammed into his face. 
As soon as the water stopped, a fresh bag was placed over his head and he was plunged back into a fearful twilight. Why don't you want me to see who you are? Brian asked. I highly doubt you're going to keep me alive when you're all through with me, so why the bag? You couldn't handle seeing me, the woman said. I'm beyond your comprehension. I know you think I'm dense, Brian laughed, surprising himself with the sound, but I'm not that dense that I can't deal with what is going on. Yes, you are, the woman's voice hissed right next to his left ear. What was left of the shredded body of shift still swung from the ceiling fan, but it was hardly recognizable as human anymore. One less loose end to deal with, Mr. Stone muttered as he gave Schiff's corpse a push with the barrel of his rifle. Bartender is dead also, Reginald called from behind the bar. Not by us, though. Looks like he took a nasty shot to the temple. Instant kill. Well done. You have to give credit to the Jacks. They do know how to kill, Mr. Stone said, lowering his rifle and training it on the men's room entrance. The door itself, nothing but splinters on the ground. Stone saw the large trail of blood leading to the floor drain and noticed how the floor was buckled and torn apart. I'd give anything to have that kind of control over B.C., Reginald said from behind Stone. I agree, Reggie, Mr. Stone responded. This game would be long over if we had those capabilities. Mr. Stone turned quickly and walked back through the pub. Someone get me the schematics of the sewer system directly below us. Yes, sir, a trooper responded. You calling Gyne? Reginald asked, following directly behind Mr. Stone. No, not yet, Mr. Stone replied. I think we still have some chase in us. You've been listening to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans. This novel and recording are protected under whatever latest, greatest Creative Commons license is out there currently. Share this all you want. Just don't even try to make a buck off it without the express permission of the author, me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please go to jakebible.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast production of The Americans. Don't want to wait each week for a new episode? Go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. Want more audiobooks? Go to jakebible.com for info and access to dozens of Jake Bible fiction audiobooks and ebooks. Cheers.